Secrets, the Scriptures, okay? And, and the series that we're going to begin. Uh, the series is titled Life's Ultimate Questions. And uh, I, I love this. We've got an eight-foot-tall uh, question mark up here on the stage. And uh, Brian and Ashley and I were trying to work on this. And Ashley took a picture of it last night and said, Hey, what, what are you going to do with this? It's not finished. And I said, I just I don't have time to finish it. I'll do it next week. And woke up this morning, and here it is. And so her and Sheila Daughtry uh, made a stage prop that will help us remember, hopefully, the next seven weeks about the big questions in life. And uh, uh, Cliff's Notes version of it, it all pertains to God and your relationship with God. And so we're going to start this morning by asking a question called, Is God Real? Now, uh, I have a lot of scripture, and I have most of them on the screen, but I don't have a text that we're going to go through uh, verse by verse. But if you ask the question, is God real, you really just need to look at me, okay? Uh, manly, ruggedness, handsomeness, I mean, it answers all the questions. An unbelieving world just needs to look at my picture, okay? I'm teasing. Uh, but really and truly, look at humanity, and humanity speaks to uh, the brilliance of God, our Father. But uh, we, we know in life we ask all sorts of questions. This morning, just coming into the office, uh, text messages were always trying to align, you know, some things here uh, to get ready for service, and lots of questions. Things like, uh, where do you want the question mark put on stage? That's a, that's a trivial question, you know, as long as it doesn't fall on Luke while he's playing the trombone and kill him, that's, you know, it's not, that wouldn't be trivial. But we, we look at stuff this morning, uh, I was looking at my sock drawer, which socks am I going to wear? You know, does it matter? No, nobody's going to see my socks. And if you do, I am wearing socks even though they're flesh colored, okay? Um, we ask little bitty questions, rinky-dink questions, questions of no consequence, questions that we don't even remember the answer to at the end of the day. But we also have serious questions. You know, Miss Kathy was taken to the ER last night uh, with about a severe dehydration, and the questions are, what's happening? What's going wrong with her? What's, what's the matter? Um, you know, doctor, what do I do with this diagnosis? Uh, accountant, what do I do with this debt? Uh, we, we have lots of questions in life that are big questions, but there are ultimate questions that are of even more eternal importance. Right now, I, I think that many of us have questions about our financial situation, our job, our health, our family, our future. Those are legitimate questions to ask, but the greatest questions are those asked about God and your relationship to Him. Nothing in life, nothing is more important than being able to answer these questions. And before you zone out today and you think, is God real? Duh, I know He's real. I'm here. I'm a Christian. The question isn't just for you. If you've answered that question, praise God, because your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And eternity is secured for you. Jesus has gone before us to make sure that the mansion is prepared, right? But there are many, many other people out there that don't know the answer to this. And you are God's answer to them, church. You're the missionary and ambassador. You're the Bible and the question the, the answer to the question that they need. And so it's vital that we don't just sit back this morning and tune out and say, hey, listen, I know the answer to that. My eternity is secure. It's not just about you. This world is so far gone. It's in such chaos, so much turmoil and loss, and there are people all over the place at your work, maybe people in your own home that don't know the answer to this real question if God is really real, and you can show them. You know, we, we ask questions, too, about stuff like good health and financial stability, uh, my career security, retirement. 
safety and happiness for our families, a bright future. Man, those are things we all want, and God is providing. God's promised to provide every need. But even those things, when you think about financial stability, retirement, stuff like that, they are temporary. It ends with this life. Praise God if you have been able to work and had an excellent job and your marriage is intact and your kids are healthy and successful and you've got a great retirement. Praise God for all of those things. But remember, when you die, none of that follows you into eternity. It's left here on earth. Solomon was the greatest example of all of that. Sometimes these things that we spend our lives and every moment of our lives pursuing become pointless endeavors if we don't have a living relationship with God through his son Jesus. This is the only thing that is certain and lasts forever. And so the series of messages over the next few weeks will be designed to help answer questions about your relationship with God. You know, you may be a believer, but you're still needing to know right now in this moment, is God real? Is God real to you when the problems arise? Is God real to you when you get that unexpected diagnosis? Is God real to you when you look and you see your bank account has been dipped into and somebody's stolen your identity? Is God real to you when your child is the one in trouble? And so we're constantly asking ourselves this question, is God real? We'll look at Job in just a moment. Job, of all people, knew that God was real, but in the lowness of his estate, in the valley in which he fell, he began to question God's reality and presence in his life. Some of these topics are the most important and eternal questions we'll ever ask. There are also needs that every human being alive must be able to answer for himself or herself, for any hope of a future with God in heaven. I don't believe we can afford to miss the meaning of this current life on earth with Jesus, nor the one to come. Because if we do not have faith in Jesus, we are of all people most disappointed when we stand before the throne of grace. And God says, why should I let you in to my heaven? Any answer besides because I've trusted in your son Jesus, because his blood has covered me, because I had faith to believe, will not be sufficient. And so we begin with two major questions. One is, is anyone there? And the second question will be, is God speaking? Does God speak? And we'll begin with the anyone there question. Now, it will, we begin with it because it's fundamental to our faith. If God doesn't exist, searching for him, praying to him, believing in him, living for him, it's completely pointless. If God doesn't exist, I have wasted my entire adult life preaching a message to people and telling them about Jesus Christ, and it was completely futile. But I do not believe that. I know in my heart of hearts, I've experienced the presence of God, even in worship this morning, almost brought to tears, praying on the front seat. I know that there is a living God. Can you testify to that of this world, even if they don't agree with you? We should. Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. That's a, that's a precursor, right? Belief that he exists. But they must also believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently or faithfully seek him. Now here's the problem with a lot of people, even people who call themselves Christians. We have a head knowledge that there's a God. We look around and we see, man, only a creator could have done this. There's an omnipotent being. Uh, it could be anyone, though. Lots of people of different faiths believe that there is a God. 
But there is one true God, according to Scripture. And the Bible says that the only way to God the Father is through the Son, Jesus Christ. There's no other ways around the mountain to get to heaven. We can't build our own towers of Babel and expect to climb to them to reach God. And so, a lot of times, we have these different reasons in the world. We, some people think that uh, the pre-scientific um, imagination of men was this God myth. Some people still treat him like that. We ask God of things. We say, I'll do this if you'll give me this, and, and therefore really treat God like a cosmic vending machine. That if we put in our couple of prayers and our couple of good deeds, then we push the button, we expect God to give us what we want. Not any question of, is that what God wants for me? And so people get disillusioned all the time. You know, I was a biology major in college and uh, transitioned to business near the end uh, and really, uh, I taught, I worked for the university as a tutor of biology. And, uh, you know, I love science. I've loved science since I was a little kid. We grew out in the sticks, grew out in the country. I was always just so interested in how things worked and what things looked like and how animals moved and, and even the stuff that we saw out there. You know, and, and it was a fascination my whole life. And, and in college... You know, we almost feel like we're pitted against, especially in liberal colleges where a, a liberal arts degree or, or someone says, you know, these are the things you must believe. We are, we are told that science and faith cannot coexist. Science is the reason for everything. And, and, and I just totally disagree with that. If you have a biblical perspective, you can see the balance in the world, that yes, there's science, that yes, it's beautiful and explains much of God's majesty, but faith is even more valid. And so we have to look at it this way. We want to pit science against faith or against spirituality, but they both work together to prove truth. Let me tell you this. God gave us science so that man could begin to discover and learn and experiment and actually uh, dig into the truths that have always been present. There is nothing that science has ever given us that doesn't do anything but prove that there is a God creator. Just like in archaeology, there's nothing that's ever been discovered that's disproved the words of the Bible. It can only work to prove the words of the Bible. And so... Science, I believe, points to a creator God. Uh, even in a mathematical sense, and I hate math, but math is the evidence of proving God uh, in a very convincing way that there is such order to the world. Uh, the other day I, I saw a thorn bush that was in a desert. as a picture. I don't know what the name of the plant was or anything, but it was growing up in a perfect helix like a DNA structure. And everything in this world tends to grow upward because it's seeking the heavens. It's seeking the source of life. For some, that's the sun. For us, that's the Son of God. We look at math and we even look into the universe. To call uh, creation the result of an accident, it raises a ton of questions for us. Uh, we've got lots of skeptics, lots of free thinkers, as they call themselves, or atheists out there, and lots of people who are just agnostic and don't believe anything. They don't care. But guys, the, the accidental creation theory, it raises a lot of questions, but the problem is it doesn't answer any. It can't answer anything. It's just something we're supposed to accept and move on blindly as though it happened. The same is true of the Big Bang Theory. 
Where did the raw materials come from? I don't even care if it's just a cell or an atom. Where did that come from if there was supposed to be this great explosion and evolutionary processes began afterwards? Not even a big bang can make something out of nothing. This evolutionary idea that was really furthered by Charles Darwin is really weak when held up in the light of Scripture. How can nothing evolve into something, much less the extraordinarily complex life forms that are in existence today? You're not kin to a monkey. You didn't come from algae. All these things that are in existence, yes, there are some evolutionary processes that happen. Wolves and dogs, there's relation there. The different types of birds and species of plants and trees, there is some evolutionary process going on. There's a formulation, you know, uh, when I lived in Lavaca for a little while, they had Lavaca berries. Well, somebody had specifically made these berries. They were gooseberries, but somebody called them a different name. But there's these things that are bred and made differently. I don't know who in here has uh, a golden doodle, all right? And I don't know why anybody would pay $2,000 for a mutt, okay, with an AKC registry. But, you know, that golden doodle didn't exist until somebody really brought two other things together to form a different species, a different type of animal. But here's the deal. All theories are just that. They're theories. They're man's feeble attempt at making up something to either give credit to themselves or discredit God, because man is so hungry in his sinful fallen state to take the glory for himself. We want to be the God of our own life. We want to answer our own questions and point ourselves to our own destiny. We want to be the ones that are in control. We don't want to give credit over to somebody else because that would mean weakness. It would require humility. It would require believing that there's something out there that we can't scientifically explain. And yet, we'll propose these fantastical and even absurd ideas to help us grasp our origins and our purpose for living. The only satisfactory explanation is no theory at all. It comes from the very beginning in Genesis 1-1. And it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, dot, dot, dot. You know, they say that it takes more muscles in your face to frown than it does to smile. Um, but it's natural for a lot of us to frown. And I believe that it takes a whole lot more faith to believe in some of these absurd ideas and theories than it does to just accept God at his word and believe that he spoke it into being. And so our world is not the result of some gigantic fluke involving ingredients that were never there to begin with. We're no cosmic accident. The universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was made out of what was invisible. God didn't take, he didn't, listen, to build this, we went to Home Depot. We bought insulation foam. We, we bought, uh, we used a hot knife, which I'd never used before. We, we bought spray paint and paint. We bought the ingredients to make this thing. This building was built out of wood that was cut and planed somewhere else and brought in. All the things that are in existence came from some other thing. But God created the world out of nothing. And nobody can claim to do that except for God. God spoke, and it came to be. God commanded, and it stood firm. We see the model of 
the biblical model of creation, reinforced by the complex order, the amazing and grand design present in the world. My friends, if you get up early enough in the morning and you watch the sunrise, it should make your heart full knowing that God's faithfulness for another day is rising in the east. And that at the end of the day, it will set in the west. If you've ever looked at a sunset, you know, uh, the Plumleys, y'all, y'all, y'all were, I don't know where y'all went. Uh, y- y'all were on uh, at Kingston, right? At the mountain up there. There you are back there. Um, you, you took some pictures of the snow. And just the pictures were just like, man, that is beautiful. That is so beautiful. That stuff doesn't just appear. It never just formed itself. It didn't make those colors, the designs, the mountains, the peaks, the trees. All of the things that we see were put there. They didn't just happen. And I wish people had the faith to see and believe. Even our eyes and our senses can behold the glory of God. Man, have you ever smelled a freshly baked pecan pie? Amen, right? The universal laws, gravity and everything else, which hold our world together, also back up this biblical truth from the vastness of outer space. And, you know, in my lifetime, kids, Pluto was a planet, right? I mean, things change, right? Um, we, we see things, and we don't even know what even exists beyond. Our minds are filled with science fiction wonder, wondering and, and thinking. We, we go to seed on it. But the vastness of outer space, to the uncharted depths of the sea, there are places that we've never gone, never can go, and won't be able to go from microscopic organisms to the perfect positioning, placement, tilt, and orbit of this earth around the sun. Design demands a designer. Law demands a lawgiver, and God is both. The God who made this world and everything in it, according to Acts 17.24, the physician Luke said this, is the Lord of heaven and earth. But the strongest evidence of creation being brought about by the Creator God is none other than you and me, humanity. Unlike animals, man, I've I've met some pretty smart animals. Um, I know, I know, uh, Brother Ben and Miss June's dog Kayak is is intelligent. He knows their patterns, probably your sleeping patterns. When you open a bag of chips and he's four rooms away with the door shut, he knows that that's food. Animals are intelligent, right? Uh, animals can be trained. You can, tra- you can ride camels and elephants and horses and all sorts of beasts. But they are not like us in God's creative design. As human beings, we uh, have been designated with personality. And you think, well, animals have personality. We've been given will. That's so different. We can make intelligent choices. And I say we can because we can, not that we always do. We have a conscience, which is so different from the animal species. We can distinguish right from wrong. We're capable of love, of self-sacrifice and compassion. But above all, mankind has the instinct to worship. There aren't animals that are worshiping now. And in an eight sense, I've said this before, the little chickadee that's chirping to heaven, the frog that's croaking, the cicada, the cricket, 
All of those things are producing something, and they're doing exactly what God created them to do. And they're making a joyous noise unto the Lord, which in my opinion is a cacophony of worship in this world coming back to Him. But God even says that if you, human beings, cease to worship, that He will cause rocks to cry out to Him. He's made it all. And what do we do in return? Well, we worship. As believers, we worship this Lord. But the rest of the world, they're worshiping something, but it's not Him. And we need to show them the beauty and magnificence of what it's like. Even though we suffer, even though we go through hard times, even though we struggle in moments of life, we still have hope that they don't know. At a funeral, if this was a casket here, and I've said this before, and we're laying your loved one to rest, and you know with all your heart that they trusted Jesus as their Savior, you mourn and weep, you feel the sting of death, but they're in heaven. And the lostness of the world doesn't know what that means, nor can they comprehend the glory of God and the future with Him. My goodness, we need it. This instinct to worship and all of these things that differentiate man from beast, where did they come from? You know, evolution doesn't have an answer. The avalanche of accidents couldn't have produced them. The clearest answer is found in Genesis 2.7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Remember, God spoke everything else into existence. The, the birds in the air, uh, the trees, the vegetation, the plants, uh, the waters, the, separating the heavens, uh, all of those things, the sun, the moon, the stars, all the beasts of the earth. But yet he took a special time to produce man. And guys, we have a special place in God's heart. Man is no accident. You are not a mistake. Rather, we are fearfully and wonderfully made by the creator of the universe. I want to answer this question too. Has God spoken? Some people claim to have new revelations from God. I caution you to be careful with somebody who has new revelations from God. Some people claim that they hear from God audibly, verbally, in their lives. I caution you to take caution with people who say those things. And it's not because God can't do those things, okay? If God chose to speak today, he absolutely could. If God chose to give uh, a Daniel or Joseph-esque type dreams to you, he, he absolutely could. But he has completed his word. And now this is the age of grace, which is also the age of faith in which we live. And we have to accept that this scripture, this canon of scripture, and also as we're led along by the Holy Spirit that he's placed within us and sealed us with, should be enough for us to not only worship God, but to live for God and obey God. Has God spoken? You know, if we were left to ourselves, if God never walked in the garden with Adam and Eve, we would know nothing about God. If we were left to ourselves, we wouldn't be able to wrap our minds around anything of God, and we still have such a small, limited view of how big and crazy, mysterious, and wonderful God is. Perhaps we could ask Job. You know, Job had everything, and Satan even buffeted Job. He brought Job up before God, and he said, is there, is there a finer? God said, is there a finer man? Is there one that's more righteous than my servant Job? 
And Job was living a prosperous, blessed life. And he returned thanks to God. And, and yet, it was all taken away. And Job was suffering. He was in anguish. He lost his children, lost his crops, lost his servants, lost his livelihood, lost everything that he could possibly lose. And Job begins to question God. He's angry at God. He's shaking his fist at God. And in Job uh, chapter 11, he's asked this question. Can you, Job, fathom the deep things of God or discover the limits of the Almighty? You know, even if we're mad at God, and there's a lot of people that have walked away from the church, not just this church, but the church. A lot of people that have become disenfranchised with religion. A lot of people who say, I, I would go to church except for Christians. I, I love Jesus, but his children I don't like. You know, there's, there's a lot of people that are outside of what they call organized religion, and the numbers keep growing daily. There are a lot of people like Job that are shaking their fist at God. And I want you to listen to this, because I want to read a few verses from Job. And let it speak into your heart. And let it really saturate here, okay? Let it, let it come in here, process it, but man, let it land here. Because this is God's answer to Job. And I, I read this, I read this in college, and I thought, man, God's a little snarky here. God's a little sarcastic here, right? Even, I mean, God's pointed. These words have barbs in them. But consider yourself and your lack of faith so many times in life. And listen, because God spoke this verbally. Then the Lord answered. This is Job 38. Then the Lord jo answered Job out of the whirlwind. And he said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Man, we get mad, we get upset, we, we jump to conclusions, we rush ahead, and we think, What are you doing, God? I'm, I'm, I'm upset, I'm angry, I, I, I don't know the answer. I, 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 oh God, why? And we don't have knowledge that he has. We don't have the wisdom that he has. We don't see tomorrow like he does. He says, and this is scary to me. God says this, dress for action like a man. This is a call to stand up and face me. I will question you, and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were we? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. But who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made clouds its garments and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said to the waters, thus far shall you come and no further, and here shall your proud waves be stayed. Have you commanded the morning since your days began, and caused the dawn to know its place? Have you entered into the springs of the sea, or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you, or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare if you know all this. Man, that ought to make you just gulp a little bit. Because, guys, our place in 
God's created order is a servant. It's a child. It's one of dependence and need. We like to raise ourselves up and think that we are the controllers of our destiny, that we are the ones who have made all that we have, that we are in control, that decisions depend upon us, that other people's livelihoods depend upon us, that our children will only grow up healthy and strong because of us. And guys, it's a lie. It's all because of God. And the sooner we learn to yield to that and heed His voice, the voice of the Spirit, the voice of Scripture, the sooner we'll learn that all is because of God. Naked I came into this world, naked I shall leave. Nothing on either end of it to hold in my hands. Everything, every breath of every day, of every week, of every month, of every year, is a gift of grace to us, which God has breathed into us, and we return glory to Him. This same God who is speaking to us, and He speaks through His Word. God's beyond our understanding. Were God not beyond our understanding, He would cease to be God. Who wants a God that I can put in a box and know everything about? That I can make this God like a parrot say the things that I want Him to say? That I can make this God do what I want Him to do? That's not God. That's an idol. We need God to reveal himself to us. Guys, if God doesn't reveal himself, we know nothing. If God doesn't reveal his will, we don't know what to do. We have no purpose, no meaning. Creation is one of the main ways in which God speaks. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. The vast size of the universe with its balance, its order, its complexity, and its incredible beauty, speaks so much about this God who created it. Can you imagine how beautiful God is? No one knows. We haven't seen him with human eyes. The closest we've got is Jesus in the flesh. And he was a normal, regular-looking man. But the things that he's done prove how creative and amazing and brilliant he is. Even creation shows some of God's, and I say some, of his unparalleled power. When a hurricane, when a wind, when, a, when a, a river rises above its banks, when a snow falls, any of these things, there's power, and he controls it. It shows his unmatched intellect, his unbelievable imagination. Romans 1.20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities... What are those invisible qualities? They are his eternal power and his divine nature. So from the beginning of the world, God's power and divinity have been clearly seen, being understood from his workmanship. That's the stuff that he's made. So that men are without excuse. And that's a scary phrase. Because if nothing else, we should be able to see by the grand order and scheme and design and complexity, the intellect, the beauty, the wonder of it all, that there is someone who's made it. And if you don't, you're a fool. We're left without excuse. We communicate with words. God speaks to men through words. He speaks to us through the words of this Bible. Nearly 4,000 times in the Old Testament alone, 500 times in just the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, we find phrases like, the Lord spoke, the Lord commanded, thus saith the Lord. 
And listen to 2 Peter 1, 16 to 21 to back this up. I hope I have this one up here. Peter's speaking. He's written this letter. And he says, for we. He says, Peter, James, and John. James and John were with me, Peter says. We didn't follow these cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, this stuff isn't fiction. We didn't just sit around one night and make up a story, and we're trying to tell it to everybody. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And what's he talking about? Jesus invited Peter, James, and John to go with him to the Mount of Transfiguration. What an unbelievable honor. And so they're up on this mountain, and he's telling everyone, us. He says, for when Jesus received honor and glory from God the Father... And the voice of God was born to Jesus by the majestic glory, saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Not the first time God said that either. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven. For we were with Jesus on the holy mountain. And we have, he says, we're eyewitnesses now. If you don't believe the testimony of three godly, righteous, upstanding, law-abiding men, he says, listen to this. And we have the prophetic word even more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, no prophecy of Scripture, no word of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. Peter's saying we didn't make this up. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And here's what Peter's saying. Guys, we can all give testimony. Every one of us can in here, just like Peter could. Our eyewitness accounts, our experiences with God, the answers to our prayer, holding the hand of some... <laughs> we held the hand of somebody one day, and we prayed for his life, and the man woke up because he had flatlined. I mean, we don't make up things like this. We experience them. And if you've experienced the power and the majesty of God in your life, you speak it out so that others can come to believe. And they may think you're crazy. But you know what you have seen and heard and felt and experienced from the hand of the Lord. And Peter's saying that. Listen, we were even up on the Mount of Transfiguration and we saw everything take place. But he says, even more valid than what we say is the Word of God, which is speaking to us still today. And we treat it with such nonchalance. And we think, man, it's, it's just something I know I'm supposed to read, but I get bogged down in it. It's not interesting sometimes. It puts me to sleep. It's boring, whatever it is. And if you experience, if you were to sit down with a person that you most wanted to meet, and they were to give you a hand-signed letter to you, and you were to read it, you would cherish it and think, man, they're speaking just to me. And yet so often we don't even do that with the Word of God. And it's God personally revealing Himself, sharing with you, uh, giving into you, pouring into you all of His Word. In no other literature can we find so many clear and detailed prophecies that are made by man claiming to speak for God and from God that have been answered to the letter. The odds of prophecies being answered is a lot greater than winning the lottery. And yet, one after another, and still many are left to be fulfilled, and they will be. Guys, is God speaking? Let me finish with these last couple of thoughts. Look at the impact the Bible's had on people's lives. No other book has had such changing power. 
millions upon millions over thousands of years have proven by their personal experience and their testimony that the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. That the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy. You can trust this God, making wise the simple. That the precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to our hearts, and that the commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to our eyes. After 2,000 years, even more so, no expert, no higher academia, no Bible critic, no archaeologist, no science, no Charles Darwin, no Richard Dawkins, has ever disproved a single statement in the Bible. And they can't. Why? Because 2 Timothy 3.16, God spoke through Paul. All scripture is God-breathed. It's not just the mere words of man, but it's the actual word of God. And God has spoken. And if you read your Bible, and that's a big if because most Christians don't, because we, we get bogged down in the day-to-day of life and we put the important things in the latter places. But if we read the Word of God, if we meditate on it, if we live by it, if we use it as our daily bread, which will strengthen us and help us, we will discover that God is still speaking to man. And guys, if you want to know what your purpose is and where you came from, you'll never understand those things unless you first discover and listen to His words. So is God real? If you have eyes to see and ears to hear, and faith to believe, you cannot help but see that God reveals himself everywhere all the time. Our primary job as Christians is not to prove God's design of trees and other created things. Our goal is to point sinners back to the creator who became the Savior. That's our job. Guess what? God has a voice, and it's you and me. God has hands, and they're ours. God has feet, and they can move wherever he sends us. And he uses us as ambassadors all over the world. Why does it matter if God is real or not? Why does it matter if God speaks or not? Without God, life is meaningless. Without God, we live without hope. Without God, you can never know the true meanings of life of what relationship is, of what joy is, of what love is, or what eternal significance is. And my friends, we're walking and living and breathing and working with and driving amongst a land full of corpses that need the enlivening power of the Holy Spirit, and we're the ones who hold the key. We've got the vial of antidote to their sin to share with them. Is God speaking? Are you speaking about God? Maybe a better question. I'm going to ask you to pray with me passionately we come before God I know I'm passionate about this because I've gotten lax in my faith and I know a lot of us have too I know you're real God we know that you're real I pray that we would live that way because our actions really reveal our faith faith without works is dead and so Lord I pray that we're not a bunch of people who just claim to believe and yet do nothing with our lives. I pray, Lord, that you would draw us into conviction to read your word, to find a Bible study plan, to get into devotions, to sit in Bible studies, to find teaching, or just to open the word ourselves. 
The Holy Spirit's the greatest commentator. He's a gift that's within each one of us as children of God. This morning, if you have any doubt that God is real, I couldn't cover everything. Thousands and thousands of books have been written to try to prove that simple question. But I pray that the Holy Spirit comes upon you this morning. And that in your heart, you feel a drawing and a pulling and something that you can't shake. You can clench the front of the pew. Your knees can waver. You can sit down. Whatever it is that you're doing to try to prevent from coming before this God. Guys, why not give in? He wins. He loves you. This God wants a relationship with you. And he wants you to live in such a way that you prove that he's real to those who don't believe. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would bless us. We ask that if there has been something that's blocking us hearing from you, that we would repent of it as we confess it this morning. That we would listen, that we would hear, that we would be doers of your word. Lord, that we would be active in our faith, not passive. Right now, at the crossroads of history, 2021, God has placed you here for just such a time as this. You believe he's real? You believe he's speaking? How are you responding? That's up to you to decide. If you need to respond this morning at the altar, if you need a person to pray with you, we're here and we would love to. If you need to deal with the Lord yourself, maybe you need to take it home to your bedroom and get down in your prayer closet on your knees or your face. Don't neglect doing what you need to do. Go before the Lord. Lord, meet with us. As we draw near to him, he draws near to us. Lord, we praise you and thank you for such a glorious day. We ask that you bless us and change us in so many ways, that we would live for Jesus and be his light. And Lord, that we would stand up in the middle of this all and give you the glory that you deserve. We ask it in Jesus' name.